calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Wallentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about the battle of the sexes. So grab your tennis racket. And let's get civical. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I am Lizzie Stewart. I'm barely awake yet, and I am Arden Walentowski. The sun is rising. The mm-hmm. sun is rising for only me. Arden's been up for hours, of course. <laughs> I <laughs> Look, it's a Saturday. It is. I was up late. My fiance Kyle and I are getting into like the watching spooky movies. <gasps> yes, because it's it's getting closer and closer to spooky season whether you like it or not. I would love a spooky movie list because mm. uh, Caroline and I, my girlfriend, we were ta- we were going to watch we were going to start spooky movie season yesterday mm-hmm. and then Really, you know, ended up finishing something we had already started. Which, if you have not watched Girl in the Picture on Netflix, oh, I have not watched Girl <gasps> in the Picture. Oh my god! Wait, wait, it's so epic. Wait, I might. Oh, I it's started new. it. I definitely started it. It's a documentary, right? Yeah, it's a documentary yeah, 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 film, yeah. right? It's, it's so talk good. Coming back, talk coming back. Yeah, it's the most tragic yes. story I think I've ever. If you've ever listened to the Bear. Bear Creek, Bear Bear something podcast. Mm, I don't know. It, it's similar in nature. It's but mm-hmm. this girl in the picture. 
Also because we watched it in chunks. So we watched like 20 minutes, 20 minutes. And then yeah. last night. It's an night, abduction story, right? It's Yes. It's an abduction okay. story and like a misidentity story. And the whole mm-hmm. thing is they're trying to figure out who this girl actually is. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it's like multiple abductions. Lots, yep. There's a lot going on. And the first part of it is like, is them, like, is, is more like your typical true crime Netflix documentary. And right. then by the end, the two of us were sitting on the couch full on ugly crying because oh. it's so tragic, but it's so good. It's yeah, you should watch it if you're into that kind of thing. Anyway, yeah, we were going to start spooky movie season yesterday and finish that, which is not spooky. It's just tragic. So just I would tragic. love a spooky movie. Yeah. Recommendation. I'll, I'll send you kind of like the article. It's like 50 great movies to yeah. watch around spooky season. But Kyle and I, we've already done The Shining. That was the <gasps> first one that we did. We did The Shining right. on the road trip because we went. Yeah. We went through. Um, oh, it was in Glacier is mm. where the Goose Island is. What's Goose Island? At the top of the movie when they're driving, when they're driving to Colorado. It's the oh. very top of the, it's in the sequence, the montage. Gotcha. And it's a sneaky, sneaky movie trick because it's not in Colorado. <laughs> sneaky, sneaky. But Goose Island sneaky, is in sneaky. Glacier Park, Montana. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, it's a great one if you're looking to start off spooky season. It's a great one to start off with because yeah. it's, you know, it's it, like it's it's a thriller but to me it's not like it's not halloween like i can watch no. the shining at any point yeah but it's a good one it kind of gets you into the spirit of like okay now we're just going to watch spooky things mhm then we quickly i think maybe the next night watched the exorcist oh. which is probably as spooky as you could possibly get yeah um and i remember like when I was in high school and I watched The Exorcist for the first time, I was like, this is how movies are made, mm-hmm. people. <laughs> this yep. is, this is caliber. And then last night, what did we watch? Oh, we watched um, The Blair Witch Project. <gasps> oh, you're doing it right. Spooky, spooky. That's... Because we're doing like, we're doing kind of scary spooky. Yeah. And then at some point we will transition into more like fun spooky like your hocus pocuses your scooby doos mm-hmm. like yeah you know your clues of the world mm. so that's so fun yeah i guess Just dipping our toe can i give you can i ask you if you've seen two horror movies that particularly freaked me out and then we'll move yeah. on to the episode yes have you yes. ever have you ever seen last the original last house on the left uh i think i might have only seen the remake oh I my god place Okay, the, you have to watch the original. I think it's on Hulu. I found it somewhere last year. Yeah, it's almost like a snuff film. It's really, oh. it's really weird. It's like 1970s that era. Yeah, it's a little creepy. Like the dad daughter relationship is creepy, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then the whole kidnapping and all of that is just. It's almost yeah. I think I only saw the remake. It's it's it's. It's creepy. It's worth it. And then, because okay. then when I watched the remake, I was like, "Oh, this is vastly different." Yeah. And then I'm not gonna remember the name of it, and Caroline's gonna laugh because I'm gonna call it the ATM movie. 
It's the one about the caterpillar, the doctor, and he sews people's asses to their. He sews oh, like somebody's my God. face to the person's <laughs> the, butt. The shut up, human centipede. Human centipede. <laughs> the ATM film. A- ass to mouth. That's how you describe the human centipede. Is the ATM film? <laughs> of all of the descriptors in the world, I don't. <laughs> this is the craziest thing you've ever said, and you've said some crazy <laughs> things on this show. <laughs> That like this just surpassed it. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I, I don't. I do not think I've seen the film from start to finish. Yeah. I've seen elements of the film, but like yeah. to me, that's not. I'm not interested in it because I think it's just simply meant to be. It's horrific so gross. Without yes. yeah, like gross without substance. You know, it's like if you've seen Saw one. I'm not going to talk about the rest of the Saw franchise. Saw 1 has elements of, like, horrible, like, bodily injury stuff that goes on. That's, like, profoundly disturbing, a la Human Centipede. Right. However, Saw 1 also has a great, great story with, like, actual, like, twists and turns that by the end of it, you're like, oh, my God, is Saw 1 one of the most groundbreaking films mm-hmm. of the 21st century? And the argument could be made. The argument could mm-hmm. be made that it is. I'm not going to yeah. spoil anything. Yeah. But I'm saying that, like, it's not, like, I'm not anti-gore, anti-gross or disturbing images. Mm-hmm. But, like, to what end? I felt like the filmmakers of Human Centipede came up with the very disturbing idea. Yeah. And was like, let's just exploit this and say nothing about it. <laughs> You know, I, like, yeah, I, I understand let's that. just traumatize people. It's, it's the most, it's the most like petrifying thing in a way. Cause it would be the worst, one of the worst ways to die. And, and well, to yeah. me, to me, it was like, a, it's a horror movie that like the highest stakes version of you've been kidnapped and are going to be tortured. Those kinds mm-hmm. of films that there mm-hmm. is because that's what happens throughout this entire thing. Yeah. And it's just so it's so gross. Yeah. I feel uh, but that's the thing is like it, it's such an easy film to make because like if if the filmmakers are like we want to we want to freak people out, it's like yeah, of course this is good. <laughs> like that's right. That's Success. the given. Like that's yeah. not the hard part. Like uh, <laughs> like like you really you really have if no challenge if your yep. goal is to make people feel profoundly uncomfortable by this scenario right. like no like duh mission <laughs> accomplished oh my god but, but there's nothing more it has no substance there's nothing beyond that so i'm like you know i'm not going to i'm not going to give it any more of my time or space because it's like yeah yeah i don't i don't want to see this on screen you know like it's it's gross it's disturbing there's no payoff for watching that which like with saw one not to bring it back to one of the greatest films of the 21st century yeah there is payoff to the gore there's definitely a payoff yeah that's true i i can appreciate that distinction yeah oh anywho so for um (laughs) so for today's uh episode (laughs) I think this is the most far afield we've ever been. You know, I just can't even say that for sure because we've been really far afield. I think, I think we, how we connect it is this episode is deviating from kind of like our normal 
uh, events it's that we true. talk about. Yep. Because it's more cultural. It's definitely historical. It's definitely historical. It's, it is more cultural, yeah, than yeah. I would say historical. But yeah. look, the US Open has just concluded here in New York City. Roger Federer just announced that he's retiring. Serena Williams is retiring. Mm-hmm. So with all of these historical moments comes this episode and the inspiration for this episode. So today we're talking about the battle of the sexes. Darn, darn, darn. How did it feel researching this as a tennis? Because you like tennis. I am perfectly indifferent to tennis. (laughs) (laughs) I do like tennis. I watch, I mean, I go to the open every year. I have since 2009, except for the pandemic. And and we watched, I watched like all of this, all the quarters, all the semis and both finals. So this was really fun. I love tennis. I love just the sport and just going and being there at the US Open. But it was also fun to research this because I love this movie, Battle of the Sexes. Mm. It's so good. And it was interesting. There's not really any of the, any of the stuff in here because we're not talking about the movie. But sure. it was interesting just as a person who has who loves the movie has seen it multiple multiple times to go and read some of the stuff about how Billie Jean King how her life is different than it is portrayed in the movie mm-hmm. and the different things about the battle about the actual battle of the sexes and and that I think both her and her partner were producers on the movie mm-hmm. so it wasn't like they did all these things without their knowledge right. so that right. it was nice to like read all of this stuff and um and all of that. And she's gay. So love a gay. And she's gay. Yeah. And she's gay. Love yes. a gay. Mm-hmm. I truthfully, other than I, I know, I know the outcome of the battle of the sexes mm-hmm. and literally nothing else. Amazing. I've never seen the movie. Oh, I never so watched good. the match. I never watched. Mm. Weirdly, I've never seen a documentary on it, which is yeah. crazy because I've seen a documentary on sort of every major um, event that's ever happened in the 21st century, uh, <laughs> crime or otherwise. <laughs> but yeah, I, I truly like have very little knowledge of this and I'm mm. excited. Oh, that's so exciting. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. So before you educate me and all of the listeners, do you want to go through today's sources? Sure. So some information coming from BillieJinKing.com, BillieJinKing's website, Britannica, History.com. Love more. Love more. (laughs) (laughs) And an article uh, from Sierra C. Jackson in NBC News. Heck Yeah. Well, let's, um, trying to think of a tennis term, let's volley right into this. Sure. A little, a little, yeah. A little, a little, little, let me serve, let me serve this. um, Why don't you serve it up to me and then I'll return it. Okay, perfect. I am going to mm -hmm. serve you what had happened. What, what is the battle of the sexes? What, what happened? So Billie Jean King accepted a challenge to play a match against former number one ranked tennis player Bobby Riggs. In doing so, she launched a fight for parody into the world limelight. 
It was 1973, and Riggs, a top men's player in the 1930s and 1940s, was now a 55-year-old self-described hustler and male, ooh, chauvinist. Yes. When Correct. I see the word chauvinist, I'm like, that is insane that that word that that's how it's spelled. sounds like chauvinist. Yes. Right. He claimed the women's game was so inferior to the men's game that even someone as old as he could beat the current top female players. He challenged and defeated Margaret Court, 6-2 and 6-1. Billie Jean, who had previously rejected challenges from Riggs, realized she now had to play him and accepted his challenge to disapprove his baseless assertions. I mean, it's just. It's It's just just. crazy. Yeah. It's like like a 55-year-old incel, basically. Being like, like, I I can beat. I can beat any any woman. Any woman. woman. Because you suck. You suck. You suck. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> such an eye roll. It's such, it's really, the best thing about, not the best thing about this, but in the movie, Bobby Riggs is played by, um, Steve Carell, right? Was? Steve Carell. Yeah. Yeah. Steve Carell. And he does a great job. I mean, Steve Carell does not get the credit I think that he's due sometimes because he is actually a really fucking good actor. He's an amazing actor. Like he's an amazing actor. If you're not watching The Patient. It's not my favorite show, but he is so mm. good in it, and it's so yeah. anti-everything that he's basically done mainstream yeah. before. But he plays Bobby Riggs, and he's so good at it, and he does it so well. Just this, like, you know, chauvinistic, like, bombastic, gross kind of old man mm-hmm. who treats women like they're, you know, nothing. Yeah. Um, it's so good. Uh, but yeah, and it's it's what happened. This fifty five year old guy challenged, like literally uh, nobody was talking to him, and he was like, and it, like I'm like, I'm like what? Just we're not just shut your mouth, like right. just <laughs> nobody asked well, your opinion on the situation, like completely unprompted. Was like women are inferior. It's like we what? Right. What? Who are you? What? Who asked? Who? This is not a conversation anybody was having. Yeah. Well, and then because he, Margaret Court accepted the challenge, mm. and he beat her, and I in the movie, and I don't know if this is one of the things that's true or not. In the movie, they basically there are conversations with, um, Billie Jean King and Margaret Court, where Billie Jean is like, you know, don't do it, please don't do it. If like if it goes wrong, then it's just yeah. proving him. Um, and, and she did and, and she lost in, in straight sets. And so then after that, that's why Billie Jean was like, oh, now I have to go and play. I, yeah. I have to acquiesce to this right. idiot's request. Right. And play his game basically on his terms. Right. And I have to win. There's no other. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have to win. Ugh. So let's talk about who was, who is Billie Jean King? Who is she? So Billie Jean King, she was born Billie Jean Moffitt on November 22nd, 1943 in Long Beach, California. 
Growing up, she was a star softball player before her parents encouraged her to try tennis, which was considered more ladylike. Obviously. Obviously, you were skirts. Shout out to the ladies. Shout out to the ladies. She excelled at the sport, and in 1961, at the age of 17, during her first outing to Wimbledon, she won the women's doubles title. King would rack up a total of 20 Wimbledon victories in singles, doubles, and mixed doubles over the course of her trailblazing career. Mm, love it. So good. So good. In 1971, she became the first female athlete to earn more than $100,000 in prize money in a single season. However, significant pay disparities still existed between men and women athletes, and King lobbied hard for change. Yeah. Insert fun, absolutely ridiculous fact. Love. Um, Yeah, not related to Billie Jean King, but just an interesting side note. In 1973, the U.S. Open became the first major tennis tournament to hand out the same amount of prize money to winners of both sexes, (laughs) which I have two thoughts. One, this is obvious, like an obvious thing to do. Yeah. Right. Like there's. Yeah. It should just always have been this way. Great. But also, on the other hand. Shout out to the U.S. Open for in 1973 sure. doing this because you know who just started doing this? FIFA. Women's soccer. Women's oh. soccer. Yeah. yeah. Women's soccer. Like, I, the U.S. men could not get to a World Cup tournament if the ball was against, if there was no other team playing. Yeah. Right? Like, I, they just suck. Meanwhile, the women's soccer team is amazing. And it's has amazing. been for many years. Won the World Cup. Didn't they win the gold medal too? I think they won the gold medal. They have won four World Cups. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's not even like, we're not even talking prize money. We're talking like literal pay. Right. Right. <laughs> and like bonuses for winning. Right. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. I just, I remember somebody was, te- I was arguing with somebody about the pay disparity thing. And they were like, well, men's, the U.S. men's team just brings in more. Mm-hmm. revenue because of their profile and i'm like name me one one u.s male soccer player right now no no the only names that i can think of belong to other like other countries other country no i'm saying u.s men like right, name right. me one right no not real merchandising if you can't even name a player whereas like i who only watch soccer like once every couple of years, can name uh, half at my of the starting lineup of the U.S. women's soccer team. Because <laughs> they're always winning. They're always the matches I watch because yep. I engage when it's a high-level event. Like, most people. Right. Like, right. nobody's watching. Like, the vast majority of America is not watching the day-to-day soccer soccer games. They're watching no. the World Cup. They're watching these big right. tournaments. And if right. the men's team can't even get into the big tournaments... How are they bringing in merchandising sales? <laughs> yes, I agree. It's so wild. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling-medical-investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we 
are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. So, in 1973, the U.S. Open, first major tennis tournament to hand out the same amount of prize money to winners of both sexes. We love. Addressing wrongs is always good. In 1972, Billie Jean King became the first woman to be chosen for Sports Illustrated's Sports Person of the Year. And in 1973, she became the first president of the Women's Tennis Association. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. She also established a sports foundation and magazine for women and a team tennis league. She's doing it. She's doing it all. She's like, yeah, women rise and unite tennis for everybody who wants to play. Mm-hmm. In 1974, as a coach of the Philadelphia Freedoms, one of the teams in the league, she became the first woman to head up a professional co-ed team. Love. The, quote, mother of modern sports retired from tennis with 39 Grand Slam career titles. She remained active as a coach, commentator, and advocate for women's sports and other causes. Her accomplishments are substantial from from winning Grand Slam titles to being ranked number one in women's tennis six times. Among other numerous honors, she was the first female athlete awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom which she received from President Barack Obama in 2009. The first, first, first female first, athlete first, 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 first. to get the Presidential Medal of Freedom was in 2009. It Doesn't it just make you want to like slowly pinprick people? Just really oh, slowly. People are like, why are you mad? Why are you mad? I'm like, why are right. you not mad? Mm-hmm. 2009. Ugh. Right. This isn't like... We were we were five and this happened. No. 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 <laughs> I can't do the math, but I was not five years old. <laughs> no. Uh, oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. The, the sec this section, Arden, you've got <laughs> Arden titled this next section the gay thing. <laughs> Go off. Well, the gay thing. Well, because I feel like you can't talk about Billie Jean King and not sure. talk about this part of her life. But of also, course. I don't want to be, I don't, it's very short because I also feel like it shouldn't be something that defines a person. No. Except that it was, she was forced to come out. Yeah. And she has spoken out about that and basically has said, you know, I, I don't think anybody should be forced out of the closet, but I think mm-hmm. people should people should be out when they want to be out. And, and she does a lot of work and, and all that for the, the LGBTQ. Yeah. A-I-A, I-A community. So it's a very brief section about the gay thing, and it's nothing to do with anybody she's ever been with. It's just her dealing with coming out. Mm-hmm. This is from the article um, in NBC News. By CRC Jackson. So here's um, some quotes from the article where um, they talk about Billie Jean King. So she was one of the first athletes to be publicly outed. King said, quote, it was horrible. When the news broke, she said her lawyer and her press representative urged her not to admit the truth. But King refused to deny her identity as a lesbian. Mm. I said, quote, I'm going to do it. I don't care. This is important to me to tell the truth. 
one thing my mother always said to thine own self be true. Mm. When, yeah. When asked in retrospect, if she would do anything differently, King said, I'd come out earlier. (laughs) But the gay rights activist admitted she didn't start feeling comfortable about being gay until she was 51 years old. Yeah. She believes this was partly because of the shame many people, including her own parents, associated with homosexuality, which King said was, quote, a big deal in the 70s. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is like, this is the, this is the 19, what, 1970, oh no, she she was out in the 1980s, but like, this just wasn't, this just wasn't a thing, you know? Like, you just, this, ugh. Yeah. This is the AIDS era. This is like. There's so much stigma. Yep. And there is nobody at this level of notoriety who is no. out. Like it is yep. it like everybody is telling you you cannot be out because it will ruin right. your life. It will like people will it'll ruin your career. It'll ruin everything. Right. Yep. And then and then on top of that to have the trauma of being outed, which is yep. a traumatic experience no matter if you are Billie Jean King or just, you know, a yep. a, a, a somebody who's not famous. Right. Yeah. I mean yeah, it's fucked up. It's fucked up. So, but you know, and and good for her. I feel like I'm I'm happy that she seems happy with who she is now, and that's great. And yeah. that's like you know, and 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 she's a you know an advocate for the community. And I think yeah. her stance on coming out is right. Like, come out when you can. Don't force people out because yeah. there's no there's no. There's no benefit in doing it because you're either trying to shame somebody or get something out of them. It's manipulative mm-hmm. no matter which mm-hmm. way you slice it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I I just want to, like, hug the Billie Jean King of 1981. Sure. I mean, it like, just added to the list of things she had to overcome to just simply, yeah. like, do her job. <laughs> right. You Having know. done with just sexist bullshit that was completely unrelated to her being gay. Yeah. It's like two fucking like two huge things that really have nothing to do with one another that she's dealing with at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I gave you Bobby Riggs. I'm sorry. I that's fine. That's fine. Before we get into the actual match, I will deal with talking about Bobby Riggs. So let's learn a little bit about him, shall we? So Bobby Riggs was born February 25th in uh February 25th, 1918. I'm like, my God. Yeah. I know at the time of the match, like, that makes sense because he was 55 uh-huh. years old. But seeing anybody's age as, or being born in 1918, I'm like, you're – this is crazy. Crazy. He was born in 1918 in Los Angeles, California, and he ended up dying October 25th, 1995. So, what, 20-ish years, 25 years after the match? Mm-hmm. He was an American tennis player who was one of the top-ranked players in the United States in the 1930s and 40s, but who was obviously best known for the 1973 Battle of the Sexes match. Riggs, the son of a former minister, began taking tennis lessons at age 12 and progressed rapidly. At age 18, he was ranked fourth in the United States, And in 1939, at the age of 21, he was first in the world. Although he was relatively short in stature, he stood approximately 5 feet 7 inches tall. So he's a short king. Riggs used speed and his shrewd strategy to overcome more powerful opponents. 
He also captured the first of his U.S. championships, now known as the U.S. Open, in 1939. After turning professional in 1941, he won the 1942 and 1947 U.S. doubles titles and the 1946, 47, and 49 singles titles. Here's what I'll say. Yeah. World War II is happening at the same time. So I just feel like he's not getting all of the competition on the court because people are probably fighting the war like how is he not fighting the war i know i thought the same thing and i didn't really want to look into it because that's not what we're talking about that is it's not because this isn't about bobby riggs but i just also i'm that is very curious because at this point he's 20 he's literally drafting age so how did he avoid right because the whole reason we had a league of their own was because all those guys went to went to war so why? I, yes, I had the same. We're simpatico. I had the same thought. Yeah, because number one, why didn't he go to war? Number two, I'm kind of like, yes, your best. You won all of these championships, but like against who? Right. I you know, see. like I wanna, yeah, I want to see. Oh, so you know what? Maybe this is what it is. Mm. <laughs> we can cut Telling. this part out. World War II ended in 1945. Right, but he won the 1942 match. And also, yes, it ended in 1945, but, like, <laughs> like two like, I just feel like a lot of young men, and again, I don't That's know true. how the, the tennis community was impacted by this, but, like, yeah, how many just went back to playing tennis? You know what I mean? How many died overseas? Right. Like, right. And even, like, these tournaments that usually draw international players – like, you know, were, were the, the UK tennis players coming to play? Were the European tennis players coming to play at that point? Like, countries are right. decimated. Right. You know? I know. I'm I have just very, saying, I have a like, lot of, I, I agree. I have a lot of questions. A, a quick search of 1945 US Open says that it was held and it was the only US major held that year. Which, yeah. Come on, <laughs> United States. <laughs> or the only, the only Grand Slam tennis event of the year. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, because everybody else probably was like, you know what? We're decimated from a world war. Like, we all just found out about concentration camps. Like, maybe this isn't it, you know? Right, 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 right. Yeah. Also, the other thing I want to point out is, like, this is a period in time where only white men are allowed to play this sport at this level. So it's (laughs) I'm also kind of like, put an asterisk (laughs) next to this. Because, yeah, you're number one in the world. Against when whom. half of the players are probably overseas fighting in a war and the other half probably aren't even allowed to step onto the court. Right. Right. Because he's still number one, which means, mm-hmm. yes, he's pro- he's continued playing. Mm-hmm. Because if you stop playing, you drop out of the rankings. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Valid. Look, I'm sure he's valid. I, like, I'm sure questions. he has talent, but it's also, you know. He he decided to be shitty, so now he gets uh, the uh-huh. examination of a lifetime. Uh-huh. Exactly. Okay. So he won all of these titles. We're so happy for him. Great. <laughs> In addition to his play, Riggs garnered attention for his larger-than-life personality, which included a fondness for pranks. Oh, super. He sounds like a joy to be around. 
He quit professional tennis in 1951, although he later played in senior events. So retired in 1951 and then played for fun after that. Yeah. So let's talk about the bet and the match. Yes. So promoters dubbed the match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs the Battle of the Sexes and gave it a primetime audience, 50 million people in the United States and an estimated 90 million people worldwide tuned in on September 20th, 1973 to watch King versus Riggs in the Houston Astrodome. The Astrodome? Yeah, the Astrodome. Oh my God, I didn't know this was the Astrodome. Okay, so shout out to the Astrodome. I have been to the Astrodome probably. Is it round? It's, it's, they shut it down, gosh, probably when I was in, like, elementary. Nah, yeah, probably elementary school. But I remember going to, like, an Astros game there because it's enclosed. Um, but what's funny about the Astrodome now is the structure is still there. Like, the city has tried numerous times to essentially tear it down <laughs> because it's taking up a lot of space and it's not being used. But the people keep, like... Like protesting tearing down the Astrodome because it's such like a, it's such like a historical, like right, venue, right, right, right. So I don't know what the current plan is for the Astrodome, but I think like there have been many over the years of repurposing it or whatever, mm. but it still literally sits there unused. Oh my god! But shout you out to the Astrodome! Like, shout out to the Astrodome! You sound like one of my favorite things, which is like old abandoned. Yeah. Oh, it's old buildings. and it's, I mean, I, it's, it's hard to say that it's abandoned because it's like, right. it's just not used, you know? Right. And I don't think that like, it's, I'm sure it's not great in great shape, but I don't think there's right. like vines growing in it, you know? Like, oh, okay. I, there has but to be it, some like, level of upkeep to keep it from like collapsing. Collapsing. Right. Mm, I'm so interested in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the match happened at the Houston Astrodome. It was one of the most televised, one of the most watched televised sporting events of all time. No tennis match before or since has been seen by so many. So they play. The bet, of course, is that Bobby Riggs can beat Billie Jean King because he's supposed to be better because he's a dude. Mm-hmm. But Billie Jean King beat Bobby Riggs in straight sets, 6-4, 6-3, 6-3. Also, she played three sets, which is the men's, if you don't know anything about tennis, men play best of best of five. You have to win three. So if you win the first three, you're done. Mm-hmm. And then the women play best of three sets. You have to win two, two. obviously. So if you play the first two. So in his match against Margaret Court, they played two sets. They mm-hmm. played like the women's rules, basically. Yeah. And then Billie Jean King beat Bobby Riggs in the men's version of a, of a match and beat him 6-4, 6-3, and mm-hmm. earned the winner-take-all prize of $100,000. Of $100,000? Like, yeah, I just feel like it should have been more money. Well, $100,000 in 1973 is... No, it's more. I just feel like... It's definitely worth more now. I just feel like a share of the advertising profits for like these ninety well, million yeah. viewers. I like, know, but I th- but like there's there's not you don't have the like multi like multi million no, dollar athletes yet. Like that to no. me, and I think that started with Michael Jordan. I think Michael Jordan mm. was the first athlete who like changed the game of 
merchandising and having like a multi-million, sometimes billion dollar income stream as a professional yeah. athlete. Yeah. So this is before that, you know, like a yeah. hundred thousand dollars, I think is crazy yeah. for this time. Yeah. Let's close it out with the lasting legacy of this match, shall we? Let's do. The Battle of the Sexes tennis match was about more than simply defeating Riggs. She felt incredible pressure to win because, as she said afterwards, quote, I thought it would set us back 50 years if I didn't win that match. Which is true. I mean, like, yeah. absolutely. I didn't realize that there was a match before her match with him that he had won. So, yeah. like, that adds to the pressure of, like, if he beats two women, yeah, then then well, it's like... Once is an accident, twice is right. a pattern. You know what I mean? Right. And also because Billie Jean King is an American tennis player. Margaret Court Margaret Court is Australian. Mm. And Margaret Court, there's a lot of things that are not different. That sounds weird. But a lot of things that like kind of made her an outlier in the circuit at the time. Like she was the mm-hmm. only mom on the tour. Mm. She was conservative. Like mm. there were a lot of things. And even now, like she came out and said, some shit about Serena Williams. And I was like, why are you even, how are you? Why? Why are you even talking about like, yeah, it's so weird. Um, anyway, so there was some stuff about the Margaret court match that like almost not that it, I mean, it, it mattered less, not because but it, it mattered less. I think because Margaret court was not for all of those reasons, mainly she wasn't an American. Yeah. Um, but then to, if he were to beat Billie Jean King, who was the top player, an yeah. American, and yeah. like a, a, a known entity, yeah, you know, that would have been absolutely more devastating. Yeah. If she were to have lost, it would ruin the women's tennis tour and affect all women's self-esteem. To beat a 55-year-old guy was no thrill for me, she said. The thrill was exposing a lot of new people to tennis. Ugh, Billie Jean. Such a class I act. I know. Such a classy lady. I love her. I love her look. This, like, glasses, short hair. Mm-hmm. The kind of, like, the, the like, tall, closed collar mm-hmm. suit jacket. So cute. Perhaps no other sporting event has played more of a significant role in developing greater respect and recognition for women athletes than the battle of the sexes. Billie Jean's victory together with the passage of title IX, is often credited with both igniting a boom in women's sports participation and for empowering women to advocate for equal pay in all sectors of the workforce. In 2006, the USTA National Tennis Center, home of the U.S. Open, was renamed in King's honor. During the dedication ceremony, the great John McEnroe called King, quote, the single most important person in the history of women's sports. And then, obviously, as we've talked about, in 2017, the movie Battle of the Sexes came out portraying this infamous event. It's so good. I highly recommend the film. It was highly on HBO Max for a bit. I don't know if it's still on there, but. Yeah. I need to watch it. I remember when it was going to come out. I was like, oh, I'm so excited for this. And then I just never saw it. And then, yeah. you know, things get away from you. Things get away yeah. from you. But now you. that I know that it's at the Astrodome. Ah, yeah you gotta watch it and it gives you a good sense of like i feel like they do a really good job of painting 
a picture of the era, this like the the original nine women who were on the tour. Yeah. And the development of the WTA. And, mm-hmm. and like it's just it's a really good, like not just historical movie about this match. It really it's really about the two of them, obviously more Billie Jean King than Bobby Riggs, but it's about the two of them and the tennis and tennis at that time. It's just really good. I loved it. And it's gay. Like, and there's it's some gay. good gay scenes. There's some good gay scenes. Yeah. Shout out to Billie Jean King. Iconic. Mm -hmm. And that is the end of our episode on the Battle of the Sexes. So as always, we love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.